saw it written and I saw it say, a pink moon is on its way. And none of you stand so tall. Pink moon going to get y'all here on the Owls AmeriCast. Sheffield Wednesday opinion with an American accent. Little Nick Drake to start things off. And a little uh, cocktail to start me off. I am drinking a 500 Days of Autumn, which is about how long the last 15 minutes of the Wigan game felt like. Now, did I spend the hour before the podcast prepping cinnamon-infused simple syrup just to make that joke? Yes, I did. But it's a very nice cocktail. It's a a standard issue whiskey sour riff. I was feeling kind of autumn-y myself lately. It's uh, rye and applejack split base with lemon juice, the aforementioned cinnamon-infused simple, a little bit of Angostura bitters, and a little bit of Benedictine, just to gussy it up and give it a little herbaceous note. Quite nice. Joining us to discuss a pair of games, well, I only previewed one of them last week, in New Jersey, it's Patty Jones. Patty, what are you drinking? Good evening, Jeffrey. Um, I have, for third week in a row, I've got the same drink. Uh, I'm still getting through my, my Basil Hayden's uh, Old Fashions, and I've doubled it up this time because I've, I've had a rough day. Uh, and some might say that he's a luxury player when discussing four points from two games against promotion-chasing rivals. But nevertheless, here he is, James Allen. James, what are you drinking? Hey, Jeff. Uh, I've had to tear up my entire script. I was coming on here with a rant, and uh, I'm going to have to play nice. You it. No one's going to stop you. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll, be, I'll be in a much more uh, general general and happy mood this evening. Uh, what am I drinking? I'm, uh, I'm with you, Jeff. I've got a bit of an autumn vibe going on. I'm, in fact, I'm drinking one of my favourite fall beers, which is Autumn Rye by Big Alice. Um, it's a uh, copper rye-infused lager. Um but made with 100% New York State ingredients. So 6%, it's basically kind of got that kind of Oktoberfest feel that's going on at the moment. Very, very clean, bitter taste. It's perfect. So in episode 150, I guess it's 150, milestone episode. It's a milestone episode because they took four points from six this week. We'll discuss the Ipswich and Wigan games. We'll do some Wednesday news. There's no actual Wednesday news. Even less news than there was last week. We will preview Oxford United and have, perhaps, at the end of the show, a special announcement. We will start with the review. We'll start with the Ipswich game. A <laughs> a 1-1 draw. Nothing, not, you know, a standard issue. Deserved result on the balance of play. I don't think there's really anything to, to dive into too deep here, Patty. But you do want to talk about Shadipo's first half. Well, yeah, I did. Um, I did up and down, thumbs up and down for this one. And uh, this is the thumbs it was up. Hard, to be clear. It was hard to find the thumbs up. I'll tell you that it was one of the worst games of football I think I've seen in a long time. And I have watched MLS for seven years now, uh, nonstop as a season ticket holder. So that's saying a lot. And obviously, Sheffield Wednesday has uh, featured quite a lot in my year before experience. But that game with those two teams was just one of the worst quality uh, games I've seen. I made several comments through this through this match. These Ma- are two mainly, of the better teams in the league, by the way. <laughs> I, I can't be- honestly I couldn't believe this is this is the quality we were looking at. It was awful all over the pitch uh, from both teams. Uh, the amount of chances that were wasted by mainly Ipswich because they were at least good enough to get some creativity to their strikers to eventually miss the ball. Uh, but the crossing, I- I've never seen so many bad crosses in my entire life. Um, we we just looked totally out of sorts, out of shape. Um, 
And this is my this is my thumbs up. So I'm going to say my thumbs up is Shadipo, uh, because I think he was the only shining light I thought in the entire 90 minutes. Um, he's the one that constantly stretched play. He often looked like he could make things happen uh, when he had the ball at his feet. Uh, he looked dangerous. He either drew a foul or he found a pass. Um, but then they switched him around with Berahino on the uh, on the wings on the second half and. We didn't see either of them again. <laughs> it's just like, like disappeared into the ether of the, of the, of the lines. Uh, and that was kind of how I went second half anyway. So yeah, I, I guess you did some some credit, but that was a, it was a, I went through, I, I told you off, 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 the, off the record that uh, I got about four pages of notes for these two games because I, I was at a rare two days not going to Football Factory. So I was just sat at home making notes like a nerd um, and it's all negative for Ipswich, I'm afraid. Yeah, they did not look good. Like this was—I I mean, I guess I'll do my thumbs up first because my thumbs down will get more into the general quality of the game and really the league that Wednesday find themselves in. Uh, the Adenarin goal was great, and if he can offer like I, you know, ten goals, five to ten goals, eight goals from that position, g- giving everything else that he brings to the table as well, uh, that's going to be a real. Like he'll be a real force. He, I think he probably is the best player in the squad right now, um, but that will just add a little bit, a little bit more to his game. Uh, you know, he he's he's only scored two goals, I believe, in league football, and they've both been for Wednesday. And one was kind of scuffed, and that one was like that was a beauty. That was, if not Adam Reach esque, uh, the League One version of Adam Reach esque. <laughs> I don't get the um, fascination with playing on that right hand side. Um, so well, I feel like there's a better suited, especially when we were without Longo and without. Um, oh, fuck. Who's the other guy? I can't remember. Um, Byers. Defensive midfielder. Byers, yeah. Is there I was, really... so was going to say the problem is they play him on the wing because he's duplicated with Barry Bannon. If you put him in the center midfield, you mean? Yeah. Well, but Bannon shouldn't be doing box-to-box stuff. Bannon should be our luxury number 10 in this league. Which is what the kind and of... he was for large portions of this game, and yeah. it didn't come off. He had an opportunity in the second half, one-on-one, and didn't get the, didn't get his feet right. Like, he does not seem to be comfortable once he gets within, like, 10 yards of the opponent's box. True. But he does, I think he does, um, he doesn't dawdle on the ball as much and do those quarterback kind of passes True. when he's playing further up the field. Um, and they did that in the second half, and you're right, and, and Dennis switched to that double pivot with Lewis Wing, I think, in the second half too. And uh, that's when it all went to shit. So what do I know, uh, essentially? But I feel like he's doing very well wherever he plays, Dennis. Um, I don't think, I don't understand why we're persisting with Lewis Wing in that kind of the deepest of the three midfields. It, it feels feels wrong well i think that was something i don't want to jump ahead to the wigan game but like just play hutch in the pivot role like at at this level like they have enough center back coverage where it's not really an issue at present he's he's a good center back as well at this level but as long as Luan goes out like just play him in the covering midfield role so hold that thought, Jeff, because uh, that rant that I mentioned in the intro is is all related to that gap in the middle of uh, the pitch that Barry Bannon creates. But ju- just touching on what you're saying about centre-back coverage, that's where my thumbs up was from the Ipswich game. Um, 
until the 90th minute, and we'll talk about the 90th minute in depth in a moment, we look like a pretty solid defensive unit. And I think the credit, the particular credit for that goes to Domai Alpha for me. I mean, really um, outside of the Plymouth game they have all year. They have, but but I think, you know, he he truly is a luxury player at this level. I mm. mean, he's, he's a graceful centre-back. He's got command of the line. His speed of thought, the way he moves the ball out of defence, if we use that to our advantage, I think he's a game-changer. Um, you know, he looks like he's going to beat pretty much any attacker to the ball, and then he switches the ball upfield really quickly, look completely composed across, you know, both sides of the defence, to be honest, on Saturday. And there were times when Hutch is back there, centre-back, that he gives me a lot of concerns, particularly when we're doing that passing across the back four, yeah. or back th- two, or back three, however many are back there, uh, thing that we do. But but are you offering contrast looks really really composed and in control so i thought i thought he was really good throughout the game um but we'll talk about exactly how he wasn't good in the 90th minute and second but from a thumbs up it's important to recognize that because look ipswich put six past doncaster today they're not a bad side going forward um and they never really threatened wednesday well there was one moment that we will get to in a minute (laughs) but first we will do patty's thumb down uh marvin johnson at left back I genuinely, and I've watched him today again. I don't think, uh, yeah, I mean, it's genuinely not awful. <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> he hasn't got anywhere near any defending like 180 minutes. Uh, his positioning is dreadful. He's often found, uh, not even in the, I'm watching on TV, obviously, which is hard for me to do so, so much criticism uh, through watching on TV. I am literally an armchair supporter. Uh, but is very rarely when the camera pans to that left back position. He's very rarely in the camera shot. So I'm constantly going, "Where the fuck is Marvin Johnson?" Over and over again for 180 minutes because he's never you think where he's expecting to be. And uh, today he got found out uh, by giving a penalty away, and he got found out numerous times against Ipswich just not being there. Um, and thankfully, Ipswich were too poor to take advantage of that. Um, so yes, Marvin Johnson gets my thumbs down. And that's even with the 90th minute farce that happened, uh, because I think for 90 minutes, he was a bigger farce. My uh, thumbs down is... <sighs> They're all going to be like this, huh? Every game in League One. <laughs> <laughs> like, I know we said, and I, I still do believe this to an extent, that this was probably good for the club to get a reset. Like, it was noted the only... The only three starters that were sort of held over from last year's team or, 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 or squad players are, you know, Iorfa, Bannon, and Hutch. And we already talked about Hutch and Iorfa as be, being, you know, in, if not imperious, quite effective players at this level. Uh, we'll get to Bannon, I think, in more in depth throughout this section. But, you know, certainly on his day, he's should be one of the best players in the league. But man, uh, I said at one point in the Wigan game today, I think when Wednesday were starting to counter sometime in the second half, and I don't know who it was. It might have actually been Marvin Johnson just pinged the ball off the midfielder running in front of him, and it spun off to the Wigan player who like scuffed it immediately out of play for a throw. I'm like, oh, it's all gone a bit League One, hasn't it? And it's just like, yeah, this is just what it's going to be. Now, the Ipswich game was a particularly bad version of that in a lot of ways, but um, you know, I'll be honest, and I'm sure we're going to come on to this in a second. Uh, I my mind had drifted a lot in the second half, so I didn't actually see the the Bailey Peacock Farrell gaff in real time. 
Because whatever, he had the ball. I just like looked down at my phone. I was like checked out of this game, even though it's the 90th minute. They're up when like I'm just I've been checked out of this game for a half hour at this point because just nothing is happening. A few other people were checked out of this game in the 90th <laughs> minute as well, Jeff. But uh, let let's still hold that thought. Let's keep our okay, listeners yeah. just on oh, the end oh, of that thread God. just for a second. It's like, it's like edging. It is. It is. <laughs> Because before we talk about that mm. capitalism, uh, my thumbs down is where I want to talk about Barry Bannon because it's this, mm. the system that we have been persisting with, which we did not persist with tonight against Wigan, is my big thumbs down because I just do not think it works at this level. So our insistence on playing it out from the back and the kind of the slow, ponderous build-up that occurs with the ball moving across the back, back line and then Bannon dropping back in to get the ball... I just I think it kills all of the attacking potential that we have inside, and then doubled up on Saturday against Ipswich. I mean, Lee Gregory is a lone number nine. Just to me, it doesn't work, um, and I think we saw tonight why it doesn't work because he needs somebody playing up there with him. He needs a strike partner, um, and it, with the potential we have in this squad, and they are still individuals. We don't have a team yet that is truly fused and really is playing in sync with one another. I just think it. I think it exposes weaknesses that we don't need to expose we've got pace and we don't exploit it we've got players with technical quality but we don't give them the space to play in um and we really just invite the opposition onto us so my, my big downer in the Ipswich game and I think why it was such a dull grinding experience is we just really didn't create anything of any real note that whole second half I mean can you count one shot on goal or one you know clear-cut chance that we uh, we carved out just wasn't happening um simply because of the insistence on playing out from the back which i I just don't think works at this level it's not that i don't think it works at this level per se but when you have players like shadipo and adenarin and Jaden brown and even slosso and his brief appearances that can take the ball like they're they're class at this level they can take the ball and run up the defense and they're either going to beat their man they're going to pick a pass or they're going to get fouled probably in an advantageous position and they don't seem to want to play like that with the sort of the double pivot in the midfield three now this is going to be the the old yorkshire man in me i guess but don't we seem very well set up just to play a 4-4-2 diamond i mean or a 4 4 one one two, if you want to call it like, however you want to set it up we have the ideal holding or uh, covering midfielder, defensive midfielder in Hodge for this level. I think we have the ideal number eight in Adenarin. I think we have, you can do a couple different things with the strike partners. You can play Gregory and Patterson. When Windass is healthy, you can play him as a second striker behind either of them or behind uh, Berahino and, and play him a little bit further forward. You can play Berahino as a second striker. I thought his hold-up play has been has been good when he's been there as well. You have like a bunch of ideal you know, wing midfield midfield players with so and and brown and and shadipo it just seems like it's like crying out for like an old-fashioned 442 diamond you can play a 442 or you can play a 352 um what i don't think works is the preference for this 4321 Mm -hmm. um for the simple reason that and here's the thing if you're going to play that many lines you've got to move the ball through the lines quickly yeah. you know you've got to exploit but the pace they, to your they point you have the players capable of doing they've that. they've got the but... players with the capability of doing but what we do is we take the four and we hold the ball at the four and then the midfield the opposition midfield pushes us back 
we end up kind of tippy tapping it around and, and not in a Barcelona I mean, Guardiola way, but in the... a kind of like we're on the edge of our pants, we're going to give the ball away type of way. And then we end up punting it down and we lose possession. We just simply, we, we give away the opportunity to move it fast upfield. Um, and I had this kind of aha moment on, I guess it was Sunday afternoon. So I was watching the Arsenal Spurs match and um, Graham Souness was in a bad mood in the commentary he was, box. Yes. He was in a really bad mood, wasn't he? Now, I don't know about the rest of you, but everybody else, Tony Adams, mm-hmm. I think Ledley King's in there. They looked like they wanted to be anywhere else but in a room with Graham Souness talking, talking tactics because he was tearing strips off Spurs. Now, to be fair, Arsenal played pretty well first half. Spurs were abysmal. But what he was really getting at was he couldn't understand why Spurs were allowing so much space in the midfield, inviting Arsenal onto them. And secondarily, why the Spurs central midfielders were dropping back to pick the ball up off the centre-backs. And he might as well have been describing Barry Bannon as worst and least influential. Because the point where Bannon drops back to the back four to take the ball, as soon as his point is, when he turns, when he has to distribute the ball, he's got to pick a pass amongst 11 players. And so instead of picking the ball up in the midfield and then maybe having the choice of two or three attackers and maybe two or three defenders to splice the ball between, he's trying to pick the perfect ball and it just doesn't work at this level you know we saw it against Morecambe we saw it against Fleetwood we saw it against Doncaster when we ran out of steam so to me we've just to get the best out of the midfielders we've got we've got to get the ball up to them much faster yeah I don't disagree with that at all and if you look at where they've played their best sort of attacking football it's been it's been on the wing it's been it's been Palmer and so it's been I know he's not a big fan of Marvin Johnson over there Patty but I think going forward Johnson and Brown have had a fairly good uh, relationship as well. And, and sort of a denner in pulling the strings in the middle and either turning and attacking or knocking it out wide to one of the forward wing players or one of the overlapping fullbacks. It's, you know, it's very simple. That's when they have looked to their best, when they've been able to sort of pull the string. And they didn't, they certainly didn't have that in the Ipswich game. They had it in the second half of the Wigan game, which is all I got to see of it. And I'm like, oh, this is fine. Like, I don't like just play like this all the time. And they will be able to, and I think for me, the, this isn't fair for me. My initial instinct was the biggest difference in these two games were, was the application of the players um, on the pitch. But I don't think that's fair. Thinking back now, it's, it's easy to work. I don't say it's easy to work hard. It's easier to look like you're putting in a shift when you know exactly what you have to do and i think that was the case in the wigan game and it wasn't the case in the ipswich game yeah i i just think the system worked better against wigan as mm-hmm. uh as james was alluding to the system didn't really work as well as ipswich uh I, I think that uh it made everyone um play poorly because there was so much space uh there was there wasn't that link up between defense sam hodginson like with like his hands on his hips, exasperated, looking for someone to take a pass out of the back line, and there was no one there. Like mm-hmm. how, like seventeen times. It happens to wing as well a few times. Wings yeah. on the ball, you know, kind of if he's protecting the front four, which he was for some of the game on uh, Saturday, and then a lot of the game today, he'll get caught in possession because he looks to his left, there's nobody there. He looks to his right, there's nobody there, and he goes, "Fuck, I better move it quickly," and he gets dispossessed. So yeah, it's, it's there's still um, room for improvement. Mm. <laughs> All right, speaking of room for improvement, let's wrap up the Ipswich game with the 90th. So I would say, not a stranger to Wednesday conceding in the 90th minute of games they're ahead in. 
I'm almost impressed they found a new way to do it, James. Should we just call this the incident? Sure, the um, incident. And, and just gloss over it. The fact that it became an international incident, an incident right, of... That's the thing. Like You never, wanna, you never want you to be... You don't want to be that team. You don't want right. to be the team that's trending on a Sunday night across global <laughs> social media. I mean, we didn't need Paddy's social media skills in order to project Sheffield Wednesday to the global image. We just needed... Brett. Oh, my goodness me. Do we blame Bailey Peacock Farrell? Do we blame the back line? Do we admire the ingenuity of the Ipswich striker who no. does that kind this of little bit of the like pantomime in... dance behind him? But, I mean, of all the idiotic things that so I've seen Sheffield right. Wednesday do, the... this is really at the high water mark. It's the really ni- so it's the 90th minute of this game. I think this actually ties back into the system, right? And he's looking to put the ball on the ground and play it out from the back. It's the 90th minute of a one nil game where you've offered nothing going forward in the second half but you've been fairly solid defensively you just need to see it out kick it 60 yards all you have to do it shouldn't even be entering your mind that you put it on the floor at that point nothing good can come of that and i was like i i will say this i'm glad they didn't drop him after this game i know he's had a series of just howlers basically since plymouth but he was very good today against Wigan and I think he actually is a very good goalkeeper at this level but the the problem is you put Wild Smith in like you can't just bring him back into the squad right this isn't like you can just like goalkeeper you don't can't shoot your goalkeeper like your your striker that's not in form even though they're both perhaps confidence positions yeah I mean look the benefit of talking about this a game hence is we can see (laughs) the big picture right and you can see he's a good goalkeeper and it was a one-off stupid moment and one that no doubt he'll be regretting for a long time but I think your your core point is the most important one Jeff don't put the ball down and try and play it out from the back Bailey in the 90th minute (laughs) you know it it was interesting to see him kicking out of his hands today because Mm -hmm. I think that someone has given him a clear message about just Punt the ball at field, mate. It's a much safer way of, uh, of mm-hmm. dealing with things. But we do need to talk about the fact that he wasn't supported by his defence. You know, Maybe, there are yeah. four defenders looking at him who should be able to see that there's a guy stood behind him. I mean, yes, but I don't think at the moment you can prepare for every eventuality. It's called He's Behind You. It's a tradition in the UK called pantomime, <laughs> Jeffrey. And... Um, we we all know it very well. There were probably like twenty thousand fans in no, the Ipswich like Stadium this, this who wanted to shout it, but couldn't bring themselves because it would have ruined the moment. They were going shh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, that I whole don't, thing. I don't, I don't know anything about the Sunday League standard, but I believe that like that's like that would not happen in a Sunday League game. Maybe they did shout, and they're just, they're just too far away because they weren't expecting him to put it down and and, and pass yeah, down. Ninetieth minute, yeah. They were, they were both. I mean, both the right back, left backs were. Far out on the wing, um, and then there was obviously sent a little bit further upfield too, expecting a big kick. Uh, I, I solely blame uh, BPF for this. Um, I don't think you can put it on the defence. Um, I did, I did, I did kind of enjoy um, the, the pantomime. I, I described it in my notes, kind of like um, like the wrestling move where the, the, the kind of guy is celebrating and he doesn't see the guy behind him sneak up about to give him a stone cold stunner, and then he just turns around and suddenly boom, he's on the floor. And he pins him for one, two, three. It kind of felt like a, an old school uh, wrestling move, but um, against us, and it was a goal. Um, it was uh, hilarious and like terrifying, and I probably have PTSD about it for the rest of my life. We've seen it on like that. What's the? It's the Wednesday Manchester United clip that's on like 
90s crap football or whatever all the time oh you're talking with that well that worked out in our favor because we won 3-2 that night it was sure it was a saturday night in october but yeah there was there was like a basically everybody was kicking each other kicking the ball it bounced (laughs) off like pinball in the six yard box and eventually i think brian mcclair scored yeah it's one of those it'll go down in history The, the interesting thing is let's play it forward to wigan there was a clangor of epic proportions on the Wigan side today, which um, <laughs> kind of cancelled it out. So, yeah. you know, if you look at the bigger picture, things aren't quite so bad. But goodness me, on Saturday night, I was not happy. Well, there's one thing we've learned over the, uh, I guess, five years of doing this podcast and uh, the hundred-ish years of Wednesday fandom between us. It's that, uh, you know, they, they're pretty good at ruining your weekend. That is the one... Uh, abiding skill of Sheffield Wednesday Football Club. But a pretty good Tuesday afternoon all in all. We'll move on to the Wigan game. Patty, your thumbs up is the front two. Yeah. Um sorry I'm just got popcorn in my mouth. Um I, I'm really impressed with Callum Patterson again. I think I might have to be a um I might have to revert all my old podcast episodes about Callum Patterson because I'm now fully uh converted into Patterson League One uh player of the year. Um, I think he's whenever he's played this season has been very good, uh, very strong. But whether he's on the right, whether he's on the centre, just seems to do a great job putting a shift in. Is is a presence we don't have uh, a lot of uh, that kind of strength. Uh, he's got a few little flicks and skills too. He had a couple of opportunities um, today. There was one one opportunity which uh, came to him where he kind of uses. Right foot to flick it over he his head. Flicked a back heel over his head and then volleyed it just. And right. then left foot and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then obviously in the first half, he had that screamer like hit first time for thirty yards out, which uh, the keeper palmed it around the post. Uh, he had a great game, and and I put the, I was just going to put Patterson in there first. Obviously, you got the goal, which was a great uh, finish as well. But then I thought you can't really mention Patterson without Lee Gregory because I think he worked his socks off uh, like this game, and he's worked his socks off a lot. His touch often lets him down sometimes, but I thought he had a good game with his touch uh, today. Uh, he got good control of his chest, uh, great movement, did not stop running for 90 minutes today. I thought he might have been taken off because I thought he'd been knackered, uh, but he, he did the full um, 90 minutes, 96 minutes in the end. And obviously he got the assist in the end from uh, uh, to Patterson, with great little uh, hustle on, on the left back there. Nicked it off him and passed it to two. He should have had two goals, really. Uh, first, uh, it would have been nice if he finished the one to make it three-one right after. Yeah, Wiggins that would have been lovely. Uh, but that that half volley he did, and I think it's the yeah. first half, right? The first half where he just kind of clipped it, and Ben Amos had a great save, stuck onto the bar. And then in the second half, he had that where he was pretty much uh, clean through one on one, and, and uh, again another good stop from Ben Amos. He just needed to, he just couldn't get. His, under his feet, couldn't get enough of the power I think behind he went, it. He went for placement over power there. He tried to just like curl it into the bottom corner, and the keeper just read it. So yeah, I, I big big round of applause for top two today. I think we all, I think the whole team deserves our applause today. I think they were fantastic from start to finish. Maybe a little bit slow in the first half, but second half it was just, just all good. Yeah, it's my thumbs up because I only watched second half. So I didn't get in till around three and uh, or three thirty, and yeah. Uh, I'm like, there was some moaning in the WhatsApp group, and I watched the first like ten minutes of the second half. Like, this is the best the teams looked all year. <laughs> it was just everyone was putting again. Everyone knew what they were doing. They applied themselves. I, there wasn't really, you know, Wigan had opportunities, but they they defended well. You know, Bailey Peacock Farrell made saves when called upon, and they looked quite good going forward. I thought Jaden Brown 
looked like he should be one of the first names on the team sheet in that left wing position. Like every time I've seen him this year, and I know Shadipo plays there as well and is also uh, offers a lot as well, but I thought every time Brown's played this year, he's looked basically like unmarkable and he's just able to create on that left-hand side and I thought he was excellent. I thought I thought Dennerin put out a good game as well. Uh, I thought Iarfa had a good game. Just and of course the front two that, that Patty already mentioned. It was just you know it was a little harrowing seeing it out, but you know they saw it out pretty well. You know Gregory winning the uh, corner kick down by the the flag in stoppage time, like basically like doing the old KG striker thing of shoving him into the ball so he heads it out of play. <laughs> um, I just, yeah, I thought it was, look, it wasn't the prettiest win you'll ever see, but anytime you can go to the team at the top of the table and get three points, you can just call it a call it a good night's work. James, your thumbs up is brute force. Yeah, well, it kind of just riffs on, I think, mm. what both of you have said, which is, it was like we decided to apply ourselves tonight in a way I haven't seen us do so far this season. And by apply ourselves, I mean, we got in the mixer. I know it's, these are kind of, you know, classic football cliches, but we played with a powerful front two who didn't give the Wigan defence a moment's rest. You know, the second goal was created not just by Gregory chasing it down, but the way he harried the defender off the ball. You know, um, Callum Patterson is a beast to play against. Um, but everybody across the team, I thought, was they were faster to the tackle. They were faster to second balls. It just felt like, you know, you described it earlier in the conversation, Jeff, as kind of like they were up for it more. To me, it was like their energy was more applied than it has been earlier in the season. And against a team like Wigan, who are pretty physical, who, you know, are um, are a competitive team, I, I just thought we matched them and matched them in a way I didn't expect us to. So it was, it was just a nice surprise. It was nice to see this Wednesday squad getting getting scrappy and actually completely deserving a, a well-fought win. It's the first time I can remember them, I just... Their ability to cut off the ball and the passes in midfield and immediately transition to attack. Like I just haven't seen them do that this year. And they did it against a very good team on the road. Like they usually could have, you know, up one nil in a second half. They could have, you know, played a little more KG behind the ball, possession based. But no, they were they were going to attack at pace. And, you know, they created several chances before the Patterson goal, which is a love that like that's not an easy technique either to keep that to hit that into the ground and keep it from either like going directly to the keeper or over the bar. Like he smashed it. Like keeper had absolutely no shot. Very difficult technique. And he does it's a very that. similar goal to I think he, I can't remember who he scored it against at Hillsborough last year, yeah. but kind of similar one, kind of you know meeting a ball at high speed and then yeah. just just really getting the volley right. He um he's a very he's got a milky touch for a big man. Mm-hmm. The uh, the horse. So yeah, two one in the box. Other good things I wanted to call out yeah. is um, I think uh, another instance which seems to happen at least once per game where Dominic Ayafa is at least ten <laughs> yards behind somebody, and then within five strides he's caught up with. <laughs> There's a moment I think in twenty six minutes where Lang broke free inside our half, and he's, he's Dunkley's ahead of Ayafa, uh, and Ayafa's slightly on the inside with the Lang going forward. Ayafa just goes whoosh. Like, it's like a BFG, you know, BFG striding around the city. He's like that, just like stride, stride, stride. Oh, caught up with him, muscles him off the ball, and the attack's over. That, any other defender, that would have been a one-on-one chance with the goalkeeper. Uh, it's just, it's just a, 
a joy to watch. Uh, and well, I'm happy. It's like, I don't oh. know if there's a striker in this league or even in the championship, really. I think we saw that when he was healthy the last couple of years that if he's closing you down and it's shoulder to shoulder, you're going to lose. <laughs> like it's just, there's, there's, there's really no way about it, right? And he's also capable of like, he doesn't have to just sort of muscle you off the ball. He's able to just pick it off you too. He can do it with his, you know, brute force, as James said, or he can do it with technique. Like he really is the perfect. I mean, I think he was a great defender in the championship. He certainly, you know, he might be the best center back in this league. I do wonder if we keep him in January. We'll deal with that in January. But for now, we will deal with the thumbs down. <laughs> Patty Marvin Johnson at left back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can't say the telegraph earlier on in the mm. conversation. Um, yeah, uh, obviously a fault for the penalty. Uh, Bad I believe penalty it, to give away. On, on I believe it was nutmeg by throwing. Did I get that right? Did I see it right? I think he nutmegged from a throwing, and then he was tracking back and fouled him because he, he lost track of the player as well. Um, I need to see it back on replay. I'm pretty sure in my notes it said it was nutmeg by a throwing, uh, which is, is <laughs> it's quite a remarkable achievement. <laughs> uh, other than that, look... We did okay against Wigan. He didn't get the fan out as much. Um, but I think Jaden Brown helps with the cover a bit more because obviously he's more of a natural left back. Mm-hmm. And they did a bit of uh, bit of back and forth where Johnson would overtake him and Brown would sit back. Um, so if we are going to persist with this left back, Johnson, then we need to, I think, have Brown cover him at least because I don't think Shadipo has the same cover. I don't know why he doesn't play. I mean, Jaden Brown's the left back first, left midfield second. Marvin Johnson's left midfield first, left back second. I don't know why we're doing it the other, the other way around. It seems I mean, no Browns look great going forward, so I don't have I don't have a good answer there. But <laughs> I'm sure at some point they'll figure it out this season. What about Shadipo at left wing and Jaden Brown at left back? That would be ideal to me. Hmm. My thumbs down is Lewis Wing running the midfield. Like uh, I have been intermittently impressed with Lewis Wing, but. They haven't quite figured out, and this is goes back to the system issues in the Ipswich game as well, how many players should be playing in midfield, what they should be doing, and who they should be. Uh, that seems like a problem 10 games into the season, but what do I know? Um, I don't... I'm sympathetic to the idea that that kind of position is kind of thankless, and it's best off if you don't notice what they're doing a lot of the time. See Joey Pelopesi. But I just, I feel like they need a, a midfield engine and I don't know if like Lewis Wing is that. And so that might be the, the gaps that they're creating where he can't be the, you know, the, the Danny Drinkwater style midfielder where he just distributes quickly, wins the ball back, distributes quickly. That's not really the way Wednesday have been playing. Although they intermittently have, which is why I've intermittently enjoyed Lewis Wing. It just seems to me that... The logical solution here is switching to the to the diamond over the midfield three. But if they're going to play a midfield three, I don't think they should be playing a double pivot. Well, this is good back to what I was saying earlier on about um, when we're using Dennis on the right rather than that kind of double pivot or as a defensive midfielder. I think Wing had a decent game today against Wigan because he was getting stuck in and doing the simple stuff reasonably well. But I don't understand why we're using him that way when it doesn't feel like it's his strength. Uh, he's been asked to kind of play that kind of in a, similarities to Joey Pelopesi today because he, he kind of got stuck in a lot, but not Never very well. That comp, yeah. No, he kind of got stuck in a lot, but not particularly cleanly. 
He seemed a bit scrappy and he lost a possession quite a few times. But unlike Pelopessi, he wasn't kind of missing for a lot of the game. He was involved. Um, it was just, I feel like he's just been put into a, a weird spot and he's doing his best. And that's why I feel like I'm not, not particularly uh, going to go against him because I think he's just he's doing all right. But I want to see him further up the field and not break him play up. So here's the problem. The actual problem is that they are very well suited to play a 4-2-3-1 as long as Massimo Luongo is healthy. But you can't, <laughs> that's not the basis for your system because Massimo Luongo is never healthy. <laughs> yeah. Like they have the players to to do the double pivot, but it requires Luongo to be healthy. Or and, you play Sam Hutchinson in midfield and then that yeah. actually gives you a little bit of leverage, which which is partially why I think it worked a bit better today yeah playing with Hutch up. I mean, it wasn't the 4-2-3-1, but Hutch in midfield is arguably more effective. And I thought Dunkley had a good game today as well, I, I thought so work, which gives you options good, then yeah. to move move Hutch forward and, uh, and play the longer role. So I guess my question would be, because, again, Masvidal Luongo is not the only Wednesday player that's had fitness issues over the recent history of the club. It's just, uh, who's the third center back if you're playing... Hutchin midfield. You'd hope that Hutchin midfield is not, is a kind of uh, is a kind of uh, make kind of do situation uh, because you'd hope one of someone gets in there and tends to be able to, is longer coming back great. If he realizes that Dennis is better there, I'll keep I'll keep I'll keep pushing that because I realize that he was bought for that position. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that Wing was bought for this position. I think Byers might have been bought for this position, but maybe he's like carrying a knock and not as good as we expected. I'm not sure what's happening with Byers. Uh, clearly, more fancies Wing. I think Wing started more games than uh, than not certainly, and, and more games than most people in that midfield three. Um, I just yeah, it feels at the moment. It, He's trying to work out this new role for himself, and it, it's just a little bit sloppy and a little bit untidy. But it's League One, so he's going to get in away with it most of the time. Uh, but for me, when I've seen Lewis Wing be at his best is when he's pushing that uh, back, that, that defense at the other side, and, and kind of finding the holes in defense and being creative, not the one that's kind of battling away, scrappy defending, and uh, doing short passes to right, the left and right. The, this ties in with the overarching problem. We've already talked about sort of how. Dennerin is a little bit duplicative with Bannon, so is Lewis Wing. But the solution to that is not to push, put the wing in defensive midfield and put Adenaran on the right-hand side. The solution to that is uh, maybe not play bad. <laughs> well, it's, uh, yeah, it's, I don't, I think the last few weeks of the show have been kind of like crushing Barry Bannon, and I don't want to do that, but... I think they do play better when he's not doing very banned things. Oh, look, all all we say. need to do, all we need to do is we get Graham Souness in to have a chat with Harry Bannon. <laughs> and in some weird Scottish kind of language that none of us understand, they'll <laughs> give him an absolute bollocking. And whatever it is that Bannon shouldn't be doing, he won't be doing again. So I will. I, just I, point I, actually, out we that... can win games, Bannon. By the way, I'm not going to go down this route. We can definitely win games, Bannon. That side. Yeah. He just needs to get the system right, and he needs to have a defensive midfielder behind him. And I don't think that's Lewis Wing. <laughs> he needs to be on the left of a four-four-two diamond. Like, <laughs> and go for that. Let's go back to 2016. Yeah. Why not? Can we go back to 2016? <laughs> a number of levels. Uh, James, your thumbs down is the Wigan commentary. 
Yes, it is. Um, so a little segue here, although remarkably, it's still linked to this same conversation about the uh, the hole in our midfield. So um, I've been enjoying the last few weeks kind of going on a tour of uh, the opposition commentary teams on iFollow. So rather than listening to the Wednesday commentary, I've been listening to the opposition commentary and it's been delightful. So Plymouth had a remarkably in-depth analysis of the game. They had very kind of prescient tactical assessments. They were very complimentary about Sheffield Wednesday as a football club while they were ripping us a new one. Um, we went to uh, to Ipswich, and although the commentary was completely morose, they had a pearl of insight about Barry Bannon, where they basically within 10 minutes said that they all felt sorry for Lewis Wing because the guy who was trying to cover all the gaps that Barry Bannon creates in midfield has got the most thankless task on a football <laughs> pitch, which I thought kind of is pertinent to the conversation we just had. Wigan, in contrast tonight, were just basically full of all of the shop of football cliches it was oh it's a tough tuesday night tonight in wigan and uh, you know it's two nil but if we get a goal back we know that the atmosphere at the dw stadium is going to be rocking um it just really annoyed me it was like there were, it was completely bereft of any tactical analysis or nous it was uh, it was very wigan so just on the bottom line wigan your commentary team are naff um i want to go back to plymouth um i'll even put up with the morose guy from ipswich but um i guess maybe on saturday i'll listen to john pearson we'll see I want to find out who that Ipswich people were because they were probably the most insightful commentators that ever had for a Sheffield Wednesday game. <laughs> they were so good. <laughs> I'm going to try to Google them. I think it might be... BBC uh, Radio Suffolk, I should imagine. Brenna Woolley. Brenna Woolley, I think, maybe, is one of the guys. I think they're just old school that have been doing it for a long time, but actually you're very good at what they're doing. They did, they did absolutely destroy Wednesday, though. They were like, this Sheffield Wednesday team are extremely average. They I mean, really they have, played they're, extremely they're average nothing. in the uh, they did. They did game, so They should do... Uh, Insightful I mean, and accurate. Darren Moore should hire them as consultants because they basically picked up our entire falls in 10 minutes, like you said. It's like, yes, we've been saying this last 20 games. All right, well, that wraps up four points from six. Take a break. We come back. Do the Wednesday news and preview the Oxford United game. Now it's time for the Wednesday news. There's no Wednesday news. So instead, we'll move on to the Oxford preview. Take it away, Patty. Hello! Um, I can't do a Boston accent. That was the best I can do. Um, that so, was supposed uh, to be a Boston accent? No, I just I just thought I'd say hello in a highly kind of energetic way to try and get this back in the road. Yeah. Um, so, Oxford Preview. Justin's not left with anything this time. I'm on my own. I've been trolling websites for the last hour, and this is what I've come up with. Okay? Watch 17 seasons of Inspector Morse. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was my entire research. Uh, Inspector Morse. And um, what was the other thing to identify from Ipswich, Ipswich um, Oxford? Oh, bad university, uh, good comedy, and um, blah, blah, blah. Uh, anyway, Carl Robinson is the manager. You may know him from such clubs as Charlton Athletic and uh, Milton Keynes, uh, the OG uh, Milton Keynes manager. He's managed them to eighth in the league um, on a very similar trajectory than us um, in the fact that they've had a good start to the season and won a lot of their first few games. And then lost the last four or five. Um, they have essentially um, recreated our last few games. They, they kind of drew two. They lost to Wimbledon and Cheltenham. Uh, and they just smashed Accrington Stanley 5-1. We have to do a Cheltenham preview at some point in the season, aren't we? Yeah, it might involve horses as well. Um, 
so yeah, they've uh, very patchy last five games. Only won one of the last five. Um, they are eighth in the league, which is just above us on goal difference, I believe. Um, they score more goals than us. Uh, they let in more goals than us. They've never, I say never. They haven't won away from home this season, which is uh, obviously a record we like to stop. Um, and they have a very attacking four-three-three style. Uh, but four out of the top five highest rated players on whoscore.com are defenders. So uh, you can read into that what you like, I suppose. I suppose maybe the, the attack isn't that, that great. Uh, top scorer is James Henry on the right wing with four. And beneath him, there's just uh, about 10 people and one. Uh, their, their striker, I think, Matty Taylor. Only scored one goal so You're far. Looking forward to him matching up with left back uh, Marvin Johnson there, Patty. <laughs> Uh, that could be uh, one for the ages, as they say. <laughs> James Henry versus Marvin Johnson is what we also talk about. Um, those two ex-owls in the Oxford side, do you know them? I do, because I'm looking at the agenda right now. <laughs> Damn it! That you so helpfully uh, typed for us. I did, I did know that Sam Wano was there. I actually have a friend who's an Oxford United fan and probably should have, if I knew they were... Hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. Jeff. You know someone who's a Oxford United fan. I do. I I lived and I'm doing preview. for like twenty plus years. <laughs> I like, never I met did, anybody I ch- that's not I a United fan. I literally checked who they were playing this weekend. I knew the Oxford game was coming up, but I thought it was like a week or two from now, and I was going to get them on the show. Uh, but yeah, I do know someone for the return fixture. Well, I'll make sure I'll look ahead so I can get put the it, uh, put it in your diary. One but, Oxford uh, United fan that I know. It would save me from this hour of research that clearly has uh, mm. rendered nothing of any use. Um, anyway, yes, Judd Thornley and Sam Winnall are the ex-Owls playing for Oxford United. Thornley's on loan from Blackpool. He started every game except the Stanley game today. Uh, played pretty much 90 minutes every single one of them, so an ever-present. On the flip side of that, Sam Winnall is a bit part player, uh, surprisingly so. Uh, he started the season um, on the bench. He's played 70 minutes, 20 minutes here and there in the first four games. Uh, sorry, in the first five games. But in the last four games, he's not even made the squad. So clearly, Did anyone, I feel paper. like there's a isn't there a Sam Winnell scores a goal against Wednesday prediction from the preseason? I mean, possibly yes. That was one of the things, the very Wednesday things to happen. Mm. Uh, it's looking unlikely because he might not even make a squad. Um, mm. But maybe they'll go into a sub bench uh, for that very reason to try and get some uh, ex Wednesday goal against us, as people like to do. So that's that's kind of it, really. There were the Carl Robinson team with who score goals um, and concede quite a lot of goals. Um, I don't think it's something that we should be that afraid of. Um, they're um, not really um, great on the road. So I feel like it's a winnable game. So I've gone back and looked. Uh, a person on this podcast did predict a Sam Winnell goal. A late winner against them was the, was the question from the preseason uh, preview and it was james allen who predicted sam allen uh sam winnell fa cup round two late winner so if if sam winnell does score a late goal against wednesday on saturday it doesn't count can i can i just point out that at the time i didn't realize oxford were actually in our division i assumed that we were going to be playing them in some early round of the fa cup oh, it's only now that i've still come possible. to realize the depths that we're plumbing the championship ego is still there i'm just saying it's still possible um, it is. It is still possible, Jeff. But let's um, let's not pad it, let Paddy off this easily because mm. 
you know, I had some feedback the other week from a friend who's a Shrewsbury Town fan that he found the uh, the Shrewsbury preview enlightening because he found out information about the local Shrewsbury and County uh, football leagues that he didn't actually know about himself, and he's from fucking Shrewsbury. Somebody pointed so, out that Wednesday played in the Yorkshire Cup until like the eighties. Yeah, exactly. There, there is information in these previews, and I think Paddy needs to delve a little bit deeper. So let's let's throw a few questions back at Paddy and see see what he can come up with. So, Paddy, what um what famous Sheffield Wednesday fan has had an illustrious career as an Oxford United manager and member of the board board of directors? That wasn't what I was googling. I was googling the Oxfordshire County Cup. So give me a second. <laughs> The answer is Jim Smith, the bald eagle. Oh, Jim Smith. Is he on the board directors? No, he's dead. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) That next question. They ruined that one. (laughs) Tell us us what you've got about the Oxford Chicago. (laughs) Fucking go to that tab now and talk to me. Nice and managers. You've really brought the mood down with Jim Smith dying. That's going to be a big shock. Uh, You have three spells as manager, Jim Smith. When did he manage uh, Wednesday, Jim Smith? He never managed Wednesday, He's but a he was a, he was a Sheffield Wednesday fan, fan born in yeah. Sheffield in 1940, and, and sadly did pass away last year. But um, was a uh, was a big big part of Oxford United, I think, as a club. That's about um, the only thing I know about Oxford, to be honest, Paddy. I haven't got that much else to tickle you with. Um, shall I try and find out the Oxfordshire County Cup fixtures of next? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> see if they've won that a few times. <laughs> Why don't Wait, every I, county has these cups? I'm going to say the, Wednesday uh, should get back into the Yorkshire County Cup. We could yeah, win a trophy. I feel like we should sponsor it. We should oh. bring it back after after Justin's discovery that this is a thing. Hmm. Um, it feels like Shropshire County. There's like, some, like there's some old like whatever. I don't want to deal with Doncaster or Rotherham, but you got, you got Hallam FC. You have Sheffield FC. You have some like interesting old clubs there, like. By the way, I will say the Oxfordshire uh, FA Senior County Cup page on the website is currently giving me a 404 error. <laughs> so it might just be Shropshire County Cup is still going. So I will say that this is actually, I, I don't want to say this is an important game because it's not even October yet, but this is a team in a similar spot in Wednesday uh, to Wednesday in the table. They have, you know, they've, they've come close to the playoff spots recently. It's a team that I think are going to be there, be in and around it. Over the course of the season, they have to go at home and win a game, right? James, James, no, no, Jeff, it's it's Oxford fucking United. We've got to beat it's them. A, you know, it's that yes. simple. Beat the, Oxford. I think maybe I maybe I'm biased by my my, my friend that reached out for United, but they're uh, you know they're a progressive club. They play this sort of you know attacking style that people like. You know, Carl Robinson's their manager, but. I'm saying yes, they do have to get three points at home against Oxford United. But I'm just saying, is it important they're you know close to each other in the tables? Move into the playoff spots? Don't look at the table until Christmas? I haven't. I actually checked if I was like, vaguely curious. But someone said we could have gone top three if we beat Ipswich. So I think we could be top two if we beat an Ipswich, beat a Morecambe, not completely. Well, if, we, if they'd won every Plymouth, game, James, you know, yes, yeah, they would be, be in, they'd be in an automatic promotion spot. That's just but- simple math. I'm not going to talk about my expectations this season. This season, but it's basically beat everybody, um, starting with Oxford. <laughs> starting with Oxford, they should beat everyone. And on that note, Patty, do we have any other business? Yes. So we're gonna. 
befitting of our 150th episode, uh, Jeff, we... Uh, cake ball! We got a cake ball? <laughs> <What>? <laughs> we got a cake ball? <laughs> yes. A baked cake ball, and it's right here. An Owl's America's cake ball. Everybody <laughs> it is... I wish everybody could see this. Paddy is mm. holding a sphere that is... I mean, it must be at least 20 centimetres across. It it's, might be an um, edible. We don't know. <laughs> it's not very well iced. Yeah, it actually looks better than the Wednesday cake ball, in all fairness. Paddy, sorry. Carry on. Well, well, I'll slice it up and send it all to you afterwards. But uh, I, I thought I wanted to. Obviously, that has to be done. 100th yeah. anniversary. It's like when you freeze your wedding cake for a year or whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's been, it's been storage for the last year. Um, yeah, as well as the cake ball. <laughs> Uh, we are announcing the very next uh, OA Away, uh, our national uh, American uh, meetup, which we had our uh, first one in New Orleans last year. Uh, that kicked off the, the global pandemic. Uh, maybe how would we top that? I don't know. Um, but we're bringing it to the host city this uh, year, 2022, will be New York. Uh, to coincide with another very special uh, anniversary, which is the New York Owls' 10th anniversary as well. It'll be 10 years uh, in February 2022 that we've been uh, going. Um, uh, the date for the OA Away uh, national meetup would be April the 2nd, um, which is a 10 o'clock kickoff against Wimbledon. <laughs> as league one as it gets. Uh, there'll be more announced over the course of the coming weeks and months. We hope to make it a very special day. If you were at the first New Orleans meetup, it was fantastic. We had over 40 people turn up. We had a, a backyard crawfish boil. We lost, I think, 3-1 to Derby or 3-0 to Derby. One or two. It was a terrible game of football, but a lot of fun was had. We'll be trying to replicate that with a better result in New York in April 2nd, 2022. If you are interested and you want to hear more about this, go to oursamericas.com and sign up to our mailing list and who knows one of these days we'll send an email it will be very important uh, but that's the best way to find out uh, our will, followers on twitter will jack oh, let us have a crawfish boil at the football factory <laughs> <laughs> we've got to do a new york version of a crawfish boil which essentially is lots of boiled hot dogs i think right <laughs> i was gonna oysters, say we might need right? to go to coney it's island be oysters uh sure i mean it's more expensive I mean, I charge some oysters, yeah shut some oysters boil some hot dogs bucks. And then uh, have a hot dog eating contest. You've been listening it's to funny. episode Paddy, one. No, no one in New York has ever thought of a hot dog eating contest before. We could start a new trend. Yeah. Uh, maybe because obviously uh, I feel like around July 4th we'd be busy. Maybe like April 2nd is a better time for it. Definitely. Yeah. There, there could be a lot of supply of hot dogs for there. We should find a willing partner or maybe a, a kind of an up and coming vendor like Nathan's. Oh, uh, no. No. Sabrets is probably my better match, right? <laughs> You've been listening to episode 150 of the Owls Americast. You can find us on the internet at owlsamericans.com. Email the show at owlsamericans at gmail.com. Find and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at owlsamericas. Our podcast intro and bumpers by fellow Wednesday as Reverend and the Makers. The podcast is on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Podbean, probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. There's no wrong way to listen to the show. Just do what feels right. Or you choose to consume the Owls of Americas, we ask that you rate and review the show as it helps more Wednesdays find our ramblings. James is on Twitter at Manhattan Owl. James, when is the last time you actually lived in Manhattan, by the way? Uh, 2015, Jeff. Yeah. So, related to that, we're going to have a lot of Wednesdayites, I, I, I assume both within the Americas and without, coming into, coming into New York City for this. 
as the Manhattan Owl, what do they need to do? If you can only do one thing in the five boroughs. My, my first advice would be to get a COVID vaccine passport. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then the, uh, the so second step. Not just the passport, get a COVID vaccine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, get, get a vaccine to get the passport. That, that would be a good thing to do. Um, my advice would be get the fuck out of Times Square. Go somewhere else. Mm. Like there are a million better places to go. So we will be the tour guides for the weekend. We will show people the places they should go as opposed to the places they shouldn't go. Don't go to Macy's. Don't make quips about sending the missus to go shopping while you come in to watch the football. That's not how we do it. We'll go to more places and we'll find some Bring great Bring the missus. Bring all Bring the, the money spending Macy's. Go to the brewery. We'll have some fun. Yes. Uh, Patty is on Twitter at the eponymous at New York Owls and Patty A. Jones. Patty, when's the last time you lived in New York City, by the way, you uh, New Jerseyite? Uh, t- ten years ago when I moved here. <laughs> I was in New York City what, for five weeks. What is the one thing that people coming from within and without the Americas need to do at the OAOA Day in New York City? Mm, so many good things. Um, uh, we will, well, first of all, I would recommend these things outside of the events of OAOA. Like go to uh, a comedy show, maybe at the Comedy Cellar or some even alternative comedy in Brooklyn. Uh, go to a gig in the Lower East Side. Uh, eat pizza uh, at anywhere, really. I mean, there's a million places that are great. John's, uh, Roberta's in Brooklyn, um, Champion in Soho. Um, I-, I will have a numerous list of things for people to do uh, if they come to New York, uh, and they will all be around food and beer. <laughs> eat cake ball. Okay, well, we'll try and save some for April. Can't promise it. It's really good. Nom, 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 nom. I'm on Twitter at Jeff Pedernastro, and I have three words for you. Keen's Mutton Chop. We'll see you next week. <laughs> All right, well, that wraps up Four points from six. Take a break. We come back. Do the Wednesday news and preview the Oxford United game. Don't make noise, Patty. That's how I find where the break is in the track to know where to bump her in. I think you should leave that in, Jeff, just for fun. Yeah. Yeah, like a little segue. It's literally any news. I mean, I haven't been on social media for a week, so I might have missed something, but there's nothing on the website. There's no news. We're being linked with a trialist from Arsenal who set up a goal for the under 23s at Coventry, but I couldn't tell you who it is or what their pedigree is. So. Right. I can no find news. out. I know too many fans of Arsenal, but not let's call it no news and move on. The news is at the end. <laughs> can, you find, can you find it in two minutes? If you know the name of the person, I can probably get it. <laughs> I can read the crux of the problem, so. If you want, Jeff, you can you can say there's no news, and then I can say, oh, hang on a minute, I've read a tweet, and then I can read the tweet. <sighs> I mean, it's more in depth than we use. Can yet. you just give me two seconds, Patty, to introduce the next segment? Can you do that? Oh, you need silence. Okay. Yeah. Whatever, I'll find it. Now it's time for Wednesday news.